positive feedback loop. Welcome to Positive Feedback Loop Podcast, where we talk about a variety of things, including culture, technology, history. Well, we try to learn a lot about how we think about these things and how people think in general. So here we are. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Luis. And I'm Ray. You know, it's finals period uh, for a lot of students out there, and we thought we'd talk about the heavy topic of stress. Ooh, stress. So what stresses you listeners? What makes you feel worried? Is it the state of the world that is your biggest concern, or is it more an issue of personal matters, or is it just work and life? Are those your biggest stressors, or is it everything? Sometimes a cause of stress is just the the lack of balance, that there's too much trying to fit into a small amount of time for a person. True, but I feel like the issue there is not so much the fact that there's too much to do, but it's how we handle being unable to do everything. Mm. Because I think part of it is your mentality about being not being in control. And I think that's a big part of it. Ray, how do you feel about stress? A good question. So, I mean, stresses can be defined in many ways, right? You can think about, you know, mental stress you can experience on a daily basis. A lot of that can be self-imposed. There can be stresses put upon you by other people, pressures from like you talked about exams, pressures from your family, from your friends. Uh, most pressures can also, usually they stem from expectations, expectations of yourself or the expectations of others. So yeah, as you were saying, Stephanie, balancing out the expectations of other people and yourself is the probably one of the better ways to handle stress. It sounds like you're making stress uh, out to be social, that stress is some sort of social phenomenon, much like our laughter episode, rather than being in absolutely in and of itself so what you're saying is if this if this follows the trend of our laughter episode we'll end this episode extremely relaxed is basically what's gonna happen <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i i don't know if i agree with that ray i i don't feel like stress is something that is imposed upon you i feel like stress is, a, is an internal metric it's something that you create for yourself based on life situations and how you internalize them affecting you i actually agree with you Luis. if it is self imposed right yeah. as you're saying that means it you can also you know self expose it right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, make it go away yeah you can you can um, manipulate your mind in a way to alleviate any of the pressures you're feeling uh many people you know choose to exercise as a way to relieve stress some people like to meditate some people like to take walks some people mm-hmm. like to draw you know sing art you know do math problems coding there's so many different kinds of Ways you can either podcast, podcast. <laughs> I, I have I to say, editing the podcast is very de-stressing for me. It's um, a very relaxing. I'm very happy that that's the case. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, oh, dear listeners, I think this might be the first time on record we are acknowledging that Stephanie oh, no. is the editor. I'm Miguel. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever we named our editor. Yeah, we well, him, he, she, Schler has had a shifting name slash personality slash mm. powers. I think he at one point was able to, like, what was he? He was feeding us pigeons. He was giving us, leaving well, us dead pigeons. That he was, was we working for cookies. Hold on. So for the, where for are the my cookies audience, is what I want to know. Can you play, please like clarify the last like 30 seconds of what you're talking about? <laughs> um, In our important. very first episodes of the podcast, you have to, our listeners who have joined us recently will need to go back and listen to. I think it's like episodes like th- two to five or something yeah, like that. Where we always referenced our, our mysterious editor. 
and who who changed names. I think it was. I've changed. I changed Manuel, the name. Manuel. Yeah, was, yeah. He he had a lot of different names. I don't know. And we found them in an alleyway. That's Do you think that's a, yeah. a, a, a like an effective way of relieving stress? Putting the pressure on an imaginary person. Like, Ooh. let's say you have, you know, Stephanie is our editor, but then while she's editing, she's not Stephanie anymore. She's this, you know, third person, Stephanie the editor. Well, she would be the <laughs> editor. Yeah, she's the editor. At so that it's point. like, you know, oh. if you don't do you, if you don't yeah. meet the expectations of Stephanie, at least you're meeting the expectations of this imaginary person. Does that mean you can like blame things? Imaginary yeah, that's person? that's the idea. It was not my fault. It was L- Luis's fault, uh, with air quotes. It wasn't really me. I'm going to start blaming things on you. Yeah. Like, or- I didn't do well on that final, Luis. <laughs> Fair enough. I- I'll be your lightning rod. I can handle it. But actually, d- you brought me to an interesting topic, and you were saying about um, the ways that different people can deal with stress and meditation and all that. Whereas, I think it can be simpler than that. I don't, and I, in fact, I've, I've, Studies support this, that there are ways to relieve stress that don't require you to do barely anything. For example, just putting yourself in a positive physical situation, and that is specifically smiling. Smiling more is actually been shown to relieve at least short-term stress. Just basically because your body, while your body's reactions to your mental and physical states are depicted in the way that your body does things. You know, your facial expressions change if you're in a certain situation, obviously, because we're humans and we know this, but it also works the other way backwards. It also works in that if you put your body in a certain position, in a certain situation, you can actually force it to think a certain way or to act as though things are better than they are. So, or at least what your perception of them is. It reminds me of yoga in a lot of ways where you actually position your body in ways that relieve tension in parts of your body and therefore relieve mental tension. You think of like downward dog where you're like feeding your head with more blood so that you can actually think more clearly or whatever it is. I I don't know anything about yoga in terms of studies and supporting whether it is an effective way of relieving stress. I assume it probably helps a lot of people, but I don't know if the scientific backing for it is the exact same. But I do know that a lot of facial expressions definitely yeah. affect the way you think and act and feel. Or yeah. just being around people or animals or being outside in the light. Just having light is, you know. Yeah, a lot of minor things. Aroma, uh, aromas are very impactful. Different colors have different effects on your actual state of mind. And we've, we've all seen this, which is one of the reasons why I think companies were looking into changing the lights within a car to keep people more awake so like it's like bluer lights i think or something right. like make people feel more sleepy and more well, it's like the change you know, in the yeah. iphone where they at night it goes to a yellower light on your screen so that you can sleep better so the blue yeah. light doesn't disturb you this body language and the smiling of improving your mood is really interesting because it reminds me of amy cuddy who did a ted talk years ago mm-hmm. and is has been really popular ever since. And she talks about how... Is that the power position woman? Yes, it is. Yeah, and she talks about how... I think it's called body language shapes the way you are or something. But she talks about like standing in a power pose before you give a presentation and how it completely affects the way you give that presentation. So it it kind of supports your idea of, you know, smiling to be happier or more relaxed. And I practice that. I mean, I, I feel like I choose to smile and be more outgoing and not outgoing necessarily but more uh excited about things i think you're an energetic happy person in general so it's not necessarily working out for you yeah but it's (laughs) it's not one of those things that i was that i'm originally that way Hmm. 
I have to fight because myself you, to be that way. Yeah. So you try to be that way. It's yeah. Like a I make practice. A, I make an, an actual effort to be a certain way. And that I feel has worked out pretty well for me so far. Um, I can handle stresses a lot better than if I were to sulk in them. And there's, there's been talk about even saying the word stress stresses people out, hmm. which is why I'm going to repeat the word stress now 19 times. Stress, stress, stress. <laughs> no, stop. Stress. <laughs> well, this entire episode's about it. Our, our so. audience is like pressing the like, stop button right now. Like, switching. Um, what about the benefits of stress? It's not all bad. True. I Absolutely. mean, sometimes without stress, I wouldn't do some of the tasks I need to do, right? Like yeah. a lot of stress is kind of like a catalyst for activity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is yeah, that's a great point. Same thing with anger and these are things that have very negative impacts on your life but can also motivate you. I mean, they're motivators if you were stressed about something. There's a couple ways things you can do. You could self-destruct or you could get rid of the thing that's causing your stress. Hmm. I mean, smiling helps you in the short term in that like you feel better. But it doesn't actually take, get rid of the source. But then the question is, how do you differentiate between those things that you can impact and those that you can't? Reminds me of the children's movie Inside Out. I don't know if you two have seen this movie. It's yes, a, it's an animated uh, it, film. It was really, it was really it was, good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. And I haven't seen it. What I like about one of the lessons in that film is that the there's kind of this happy character and the sad character and the happy character keeps trying to make people happy so there's this person this uh, other furry animal dude who's really really sad who something bad has happened to him and he's really sad so the happy character like tries to make him happy like here right. let me cheer you up and he's just sure. like not being cheered up he's like very aggravated and then you have the sad character that sits down with him and says, wow, I'm so sorry. That's so sad. The happy character thinks that he's just being exacerbated in his sadness. That if you sit down and be more sad with him, he'll get even more sad. But it actually heals him. It helps him process the sadness. So is allowing yourself to feel the stress actually a way to de-stress? Well, that could also be because of him relating himself to the other person like seeing a really happy person when you're just being mediocre at the moment it could make you happier or it could be like man that, that guy's really happy i suck i'm not really that happy mm, what, yeah. what's wrong with me right now you know so something like that so like comparison so i don't know i mean it can go both ways i i would disagree i don't think that sadness and stress are equivalent i think that they are different they're That's fundamentally different i think Sadness, you can heal through sadness, but stress, you can't really heal through. Like, the mm, stress, you really, right. really get rid of by either accepting the stress and just kind of like, minimizing it as part of your life or by fixing the thing that's causing stress. But isn't stress like a perception? Don't we get stressed out yeah. because we perceive a gap? That's either... an ar- that's a good argument. Yeah. yeah. You can say that any situation, no one should be stressful under. Like, you're like in the middle of a battle and literally bombs are dropping, you could be stressed or you can view it as this is just how it goes. Like it's really a bad perception. I, I feel like generally if your life is in danger, that's a good excuse to be stressed. And that's um, the natural response. But what yeah. I'm saying is you are mentally and physically capable at least. It might be really more, it's probably more difficult, but you're still capable of controlling your stress and just going with the flow. It's all about like Ooh. mindfulness, being in the present moment. Remember that mm. stress is part of your flight or fight response. Agreed. Yeah. Right? So if that's the case, stress is really fight or flight where we have not actually, we're 
we are in a situation where there's we can't really do either. For example, if you're worried about geopolitical pressures, right? You know, oh God, you think the world's about to end and we're actually in the worst place humanity's ever been. I disagree, but you could think that way and you could be really stressed about elections and all these other things happening. You as an individual, you can act, you can collect people and create organizations and motivate others and try to have your voice heard, but you're not gonna be the one person who, it's unlikely, Never, not, never going to say never, but it's unlikely that you're going to be the person that's going to fix all of it and every single geopolitical stress or ever. There are things that you kind of have to let go of and you have to accept these are I, – I will only be stressed about things I can have an actionable effect on. Sounds like there's a difference between stress and worry. It, mm. I, I think that's more a more semantic difference, but in truth, your body interpret, interprets both the same way, I would say. So I feel like worry really is something you can't – change you worry about something because you have no control whereas it seems like stress is something like working toward a deadline in school i i I would agree in that the idea of stress and being somewhat having different sources and different ways you can deal with it i agree with that i think that if you want to define it as worry that's fair but i don't think that your body knows that i think your body thinks of both things as fight or flight there's something we need to do here. My life is in danger in some way or another because I haven't met the deadline or not necessarily your life, but like I'm in danger in some way because I haven't met the deadline. And at the same time, this political thing happened. And at the same time, I was late to work. And oh God, these are all things that are stressing me out. But the way that you really deal with that is what matters, I think. Yeah, and I think there's been studies that show that people who obsess over the news and you know watch what's going on every single day, they're constantly tracking these things, they're more stressed out on a daily basis. Like reporters, these kind of things, they, it's very stressful. Mm. Um, and to your point, they do worry, but I, I agree with Luis that they are affecting the body in the same way. So it sounds like stress really impacts a lot of us, and we have a lot more to talk about this, so we'll see you after a commercial break. I am someone who loves reading. Whether it's reading facts on the internet or reading new books, I always love exploring new sources of information. I'm very proud to announce this once-in-a-lifetime partnership with Inaudible.com, the world's best source of ASMR audiobooks. You will have the opportunity to listen to some classic literature in a new style. For example, here's an excerpt from The Old Man and the Sea. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff. Classic literature, not your style? Listen to an excerpt from Harry Potter. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet and Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Or in the mood for something more exciting and new? Well, why not listen to something like Game of Thrones? No, Elia Brokin, you're the one they'll want to ransom. So go to www.inaudible.com slash PFL. Inaudible. Trust me, you'll be happy you barely heard it. Welcome back to PFL Podcast. Before the break, we were talking about the stress that we sometimes have when we read the news. It seems stressful to hear everything that's going on around the world. And Ray, we left off with you and your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, um, well, I was just thinking about some of the issues we're seeing internationally with people who are, you know, struggling just to, like, keep their families together and things like that, you know, in times of war and poverty. Like, they're the ones that are very stressed, right? They're, like, literally struggling to, like, find a way to live. We find ourselves stressed out in our daily lives. Now, my question to you guys is, are we... Who is actually more stressful? Is it all relative? I mean, I would argue that they are experiencing like a prolonged and continuous stressful life. We get these like bursts of stress and up and downs. I, I, I would actually say that I agree that stress is relative. It's something that you decide what stresses you. And a lot of that is what you are, have learned from society is something you should be stressed about. For example, your point about the evening news, which are sensationalist to a fault. Well, now it's not just the evening news. That's the thing. Now we can get our news on like a minute-by-minute basis. It's Like Twitter status. There's no end to the opportunities to be stressed out. And personally, I choose to do a couple things to help myself when it comes to this level of stress. And this is not necessarily to your point, but about, you know, the whether the stress of other people is justified. Because I feel like, generally speaking, most stress is justified in some sense. It's the scale of the stress that it might not be. So if you're struggling to feed yourself, you probably are justified in being really stressed about it. If you're struggling because you, I don't know, can't find your favorite your, your, sock your fa- or yeah, something. Your favorite sock, that's you're probably not, you shouldn't be that stressed about it, to be honest. And personally, I, one of the things that helps me a lot with thinking about this like worldwide scale of stress is just knowing history. Reading a book about just the way things were done hundreds of years ago, heck, even 50 years ago, gives you a lot of perspective about just the, the reasons for why things are and the way the state of the world and how we are personally very, very incredibly lucky. And just bringing that perspective in regularly helps so much with keeping myself in check. Because then I know, oh, okay, well, I'm actually all right. I'm doing great. I don't really need to be worried about this. There are things I need to be worried about. This is not one of them. This is really great for me to hear. I think that I need to read more history to put myself in that context. And it actually reminds me of something I heard years ago, which was that youth tend to be less problematic, get in less trouble, etc., if they uh, know their family history because they can see themselves in the context of the arc of their entire family's history. And so they see how far society has come. It's kind of your point of knowing history, knowing ourselves in, in humankind, yeah. but then also seeing us in the arc of our own family history helps us see the context, and it might really calm us down. I would say that there is one warning I would give to people who decide to do this, and what, what, I'm, what I'm suggesting, basically, of mm-hmm. reading history and trying to clean just the state of the world from it, and like basically mm-hmm. what we could be at. Yeah. We need to be careful and remember that when we're reading about history, we're reading about people. These are humans who lived and had thoughts and people they loved and families. And if you only focus on the works or the deeds of great people, you know, the great men and women throughout history who accomplished great deeds and who won major battles and defeated the enemy and all that, you tend to get this like weird sort of mythical idea of what humanity is. Whereas the vast majority of us have just been the peasant who... You know, worked the farm for a while, came home, ate some gruel, spent some time with the family, maybe went out and partied in the village for a bit and then went to church. 
or whatever order those events happened in. A little bit off topic, but I just had an idea. You can imagine the future of how history is being recorded now with digital technology, and we're going to be able to experience a person's history potentially the exact way they experienced it in, in thinking about virtual reality technologies. So you can literally be in the eyes of the person that was living mm. through it. I'm not saying, you know, you know, I just think that's an interesting thought. What do you guys think? Really well, quickly, I don't so want to So there's, talk. I do think that's interesting because we are recording more micro moments of our lives, which is really changing the way history is written, like you're saying. To kind of work in the point uh, that Luis made of reading the history of more normal people, I read a book a while ago by Laurel Thatcher Ulrich, Got it. Um, who is a professor at Harvard, and she wrote Midwife's Tale. And it's basically a journal of a midwife. And it's a recording of the history of, you know, a, somebody who's very normal. It's Wasn't not, that an American midwife in like the 1700s or so? I think that, I, I think I've read about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I read some excerpts, yeah. Yeah, it's um, early American history. And uh, I just like the idea of kind of recording the, the normal person's life. And it reminds me of a quote that Professor Ulrich is famous for, which is, uh, well-behaved women seldom make history. And a lot of people misattribute the meaning of that. They think that it means that women should be loud and boisterous because, because you don't make history if you're quiet. But she actually said, well-behaved women don't make history because, make it into history books because nobody writes their history of, a, of the normal person. Yeah. And so she's making a statement of, you know, we should be writing the history of more normal people. And like, as Ray mentioned, we're getting into that. Mm -hmm. Normal, I mean, we're getting into citizen journalism. But now the other question is, okay, let's say we're all recording all of our present times all the time like in the future. Who's going to have time to watch any of that or view that or read that? It's just we're suddenly recording too much. You can think about maybe not a human experiencing that person through VR, through reading their books or whatever, but maybe, you know, going into artificial intelligence. That's something, that's sort of a, you know a system that can digest the facets of all these people at once. Because I can't, how many books can you read in your lifetime? There are going to be systems that can, and not only can they read it like word for word, they can comprehend and see in between the lines that, that we usually do when we read a book. Bringing it back to stress, and I think I can tie this in because you can talk about having an artificial intelligence that can catalog all the things that have been recorded by humans and, you know, all the Facebook and all the tweets and all the... Blah, blah. But that doesn't really present humanity. That presents an image of humanity. That will never be truly people. Because we don't... When we're writing about ourselves when it comes to what you're presenting to the outside world, rarely do we truly divulge who we are. Rarely do we talk about the, the true stressors in our lives. We might talk about stressors as a way of maybe getting sympathy or of getting accomplishing some sort of goal or we are just presenting so that just venting but rarely is this actually done in the style that we think about it and internalize it ourselves so even if you created an artificial intelligence or a vr experience that put you into the shoes of someone in you know 21st century and i said 21st century american and you had could go through school with like them you couldn't experience the actual feelings that that person's going through because while you may have some idea the true consequences of their actions are only felt by them. You could never truly experience that except by being them. 
Yeah, I, I would agree with you. The statement you said about having all the tweets and Facebook things or whatever, the, the public stuff, you're right. But what's to say that all our private messages and all our phone calls with our girlfriends and boyfriends and husbands and wives and like family members and people going through tough times because most people talk to their friends and family when they're going through tough times and a lot of them open up quite wide at least that's a really healthy thing to do generally speaking it's private now but for how long but then the, but i still that's i still consider that being a subset of agreed it's what good. is public right because you're still sharing it with someone and that's not your internal monologue it's like semi-public yeah it's semi-public because it's the intent or of maybe it is semi-private for it. is more yeah. accurate yeah the intent of it is for it to be shared in a sense right you're talking to someone you're expressing something to someone that's not your internal monologue so a diary might be more akin to it and but not yeah. everyone keeps a diary i was actually going to bring that up because i have kept a journal ever since i was in uh second grade and wow. I, that was kind of intermittent, but starting when I was 14 years old, I've kept a journal every day of my life, Amazing. Um, which is, I guess, for, it's, yeah, it's a few decades. And that is my way to de-stress. And I do see it as different from a history of myself. I think journaling is more intimate and it's working through thoughts and issues in a very different way. So to de-stress, writing through your thoughts, really putting words to the abstract can help a lot. So a question for you. Do you think that there will ever be a person that will, in the future, maybe far distant future, might start to read your journal and maybe kind of feel what you felt while you were writing them? Would I've, you want that? Would you not want I've that? I've thought a lot about it. I've thought about whether I want to just have everything burned. <laughs> right, Has it been self-therapeutic only? Mm -hmm. I've also written many journal entries to my future children mm -hmm. and grandchildren. Um, I've also just written in different voices depending on whether there's an audience there or whether it's for myself. I think I've used my journal in very different ways throughout time, but it's interesting because in the self-therapy or the de-stressing of journal writing, I've actually created a history for myself, which goes to Louise's point. Exactly, yeah. No, and I think that's a very, very good point, and especially since that's a way for you to de-stress. It's a very effective method because you're really killing two birds with one stone. You're able to relieve yourself of stress, and you're also able to create a record of yourself that if you ever wanted to go back and see who you were at that point in time, you can get a somewhat of a glimpse. But the, I think the difference here is that you, as the reader, compared to someone else, mm -hmm. you actually felt the feelings. You actually know the context behind each journal entry that may not have been written down. Whereas an external person would not feel your stresses at the time. They won't know your reasoning behind these things. Even if you recorded and made perfect records, and even if you videotaped everything, you don't see, you don't feel the emotion. You don't feel that stress. Right. It's a good point. Can technology start to mimic biological, physical stress? or emotions in the same way that potentially humans experience it. Have you guys read The Giver? I actually have read The Giver. That One is what it reminds me of. Read, <laughs> the, Giver. the Giver is a fascinating book. Oh no, I saw the, the movie, I think. You, well, I mean, the movie's <laughs> but yeah, the movie, but pretty I get the good, idea, yeah. uh, pretty no, aligned I read the, the book. book too, I think. Yeah, I've yeah. not read But The Giver book. is... You pass the, it down You have all these, these memories, these memories yeah. and there's one person who has those 
memories because everybody else in the in the village doesn't experience pain. It's a shared So they memory. keep those memories of pain and loss so they can be the wise one in the in the village mm-hmm. basically. And he gives basically those memories over to another person. And so it's passing real generation physical memory from generation to generation through one person. It's fascinating. But that's kind mm-hmm. of what you're getting at is is there will there be a technology that where we can actually pass the experience of a memory from one person to the next. Well, we've seen like claims from what was it? Elon Musk and Neuralink, and then uh, I believe Facebook is now they're trying to develop this like brain computer interface of communication. So um, there might be a cure to stress, or maybe like a not a cure because I don't think yeah. stress is necessarily a bad thing all the time, but a a way to manipulate stress in order to benefit human beings overall. I mean, yes, the, there's always the possibility that you create an advanced enough. Well, if you wanted, if you were to ever try to create some method of having humans upload their minds into some sort of machinery, as many science fiction writers and scientists hope to one day be able to do, you need to create some way for the, for that machine to allow your mind to experience the virtual feelings and emotions and pains and stresses that your physical body felt. Well, we can say, well, why would you want stress in that situation? Why would you want a body that... Like, if you're already in a machine body, why would you want to feel pain or stress or any of the other things? I feel like that's part of what makes you human. And the more of that you give up, the less and less of it and less you'll feel overall. And I think that that would eventually drive you to some sort of madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, being Because you that would really make you realize that you're not in a human body. If you're in this machine. And I think that we humans need to feel these things every once in a while to feel normal. Even if stress is not a good thing. Now, the question is, is this actually true? I could be completely mistaken, and it's possible that in the future we'll create perfect machine-human interface analogs that allow you upload your mind. Your mind has no feelings. It's just there in cold storage or just thinking, and people love it. Who knows? We won't know until we're there. And with that last thought, uh, we leave you with those questions of the future. Um, Stress, history, personal experience... And we hope that you will join us next time on Positive Feedback Loop. Stay crazy. Stay Stay crazy. crazy.